0: In the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. Fantastic episode for you today. And with a remarkable guest, Colombian free diver, Christian Castaño Villa joins the show. Always love getting feedback on the guests and a recent message was, we want more free divers. We want to hear more from the free divers. And hey, the second I saw that I said, I agree. I always love any opportunity to chat with a free diver. And because of that was thrilled to have a 25 time national record holder for Columbia. Christian joined the show. In addition to his competitive career, he is also an AIDA instructor trainer at Free Dive Columbia. Christian has managed to break national depth records 25 times. He currently holds three national records in the disciplines of constant weight monofin, constant weight bifins, and free immersion. He is also the holder of the continental record in constant weight with bifins with a mark of 82 meters deep. I'm gonna say that one more time because it is just hard for me to even fathom how deep this is, 82 meters deep. He also has more than nine years of experience as an instructor and he has the title of instructor trainer, and he's dedicated the last nine years to teaching freediving in countries like Thailand, Indonesia, the Philippines, Honduras, Egypt, and now Colombia. You hear me laughing there because on the show, Christian talks about how the water is his office. As I'm reading this sentence of the places he's worked, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, Honduras, Egypt, Colombia, there might not be a better office than that. One of these days, I gotta get there and I gotta learn. I gotta take a course from Christian. This was such a fun conversation. His life philosophy is incredibly positive. He focuses on happiness. He focuses on energy. And a lot of that mentality came when he decided to leave his job as a civil engineer into travel. Initially, it was going to be one year, and it turned into eight. And during that time, that's when freediving first put a hold on him. On today's episode, you'll hear about how his life was augmented through those travels. Christian also reflects on his time teaching and how it has helped him in the water in his own professional career. And lastly, we tra- travel, Christian talks about some of his favorite locations in which he's dived and also gives us some great advice for someone visiting Colombia for the first time. He's fantastic. So enough of me. Let's bring on 25 time Colombian record holder in freediving, Christian Castaño Villa. And let's learn. We
1: talk to Italia, no?
0: Yeah, Italia, and then Anshante Gallardo.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> nice. They're good friends.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It seems like it's a
1: very close community. Um, the people who do competitive freediving, there's, yeah. I, like, I mean, we all meet all the time in different places in the world to do the more or less the same competition. So, yeah, we kind of like get really close and become really good friends. And yeah. freediving is, I mean, it's, it's a small sport. It's, it's growing a lot, but competitive freediving is even smaller. So, it's yeah. As,
0: close, as a close community. Well, with both of them, they grew up on the water. So where did you grow up and what were some of the first activities that introduced you to being on the water?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't grow close to the water. Actually, the opposite. You know, I grew up in the, in the mountains, in the mountains, in the Andes, wow. in really, really high altitude, like over, above 2,000 meters above sea level. Um, so I was very far away from the ocean, but I grew up in a coffee farm in Colombia. So we, we produce a lot of coffee. My, my father has a coffee farm. Um, and I guess my first contact with the water is because we had a swimming pool. And then every time I came from school, I was just jumping straight to the swimming pool and just using it all the time. But uh, because I, was, I grew up in the altitude, I imagine it, it really helped me because uh, you developed, like you kind of evolved to getting used to low oxygen, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think that really helped me for later going in the ocean.
0: What was it that hooked you into the sport?
1: This, is, was, this was a casual, you know, like I was not, it was not planned. I mean, I, I was good in the swimming and in a pool in my, in my farm, I used to swim a lot. And I remember going to the bottom of the pool, but I guess the first times I went to, to the ocean, when I was a kid with my family, we went to the, to the Caribbean here in Colombia. And I did a little bit of swimming, but not not crazy, deep swimming, just a little bit of snorkeling. Um, but when I really got hooked into it was when I was I, I decided to quit my job. I'm a civil engineer or I was one when I was working 10 years ago in this. Um, and I quit my job because I was tired of the like the, the you know, the, the, the office life and being in front of the computer all day working so i quit i was going to travel for one year only in asia but well, only only it was a long trip but uh, it, it was it ended up being eight years of traveling yeah and in those eight years i was just you know like mainly in in, in in islands in close to the ocean so i was doing a lot of snorkeling and scuba diving and i was thinking i wanted to like changed my lifestyle and I didn't want to go back. So I was thinking to become a scuba diving instructor. And a friend told me, why don't we try this uh, free diving course? It seems cool. I was thinking that no, this is too hard, you know, holding your breath, um, but let's try, you know, why not it's just two days and we'll see how it goes. And then after that, I, I, I didn't stop. It's been 10 years since, since that moment, no nine years um, that I, the longest that I was away from free diving was in the, in the pandemic with the lockdown the first lockdown that was like seven months and I was locked in my house in my city in the mountains and I was going crazy because I couldn't go in the ocean but since that moment I decided okay this is what I what I'm gonna do from now on I was not good I have to tell you it was very bad at the beginning but I still liked it you know I was like I'm gonna give my all
0: Well, gosh, I am so fascinated. First of all, we've got enough civil engineers, so I'm glad you quit your job as a civil engineer. We don't have enough freedivers, so thank you for quitting. We need more, this is great. (laughs) I have so many questions about freediving, but before I get to that, I I need to know more about this time you you took away to travel. So during those eight years when you were traveling, what was that like as far as not having a plan? How did you approach life when you didn't really have a a schedule?
1: I think, I mean, I I traveled for one year like that with no plan. After that, I started driving, right? So that year, I think, was the happiest year of my life. with No plan, no obligation. Just thinking, Where am I, what am I going to do tomorrow? I don't, it doesn't matter, you know? It's whatever <laughs> I want. I will go wherever I want. Do I like this city? Yes, I stay another week. No, I go to the next one. Fine, no problem. So it was amazing. It was the happiest and the best decision I've ever made in my life, I think. I yeah. wouldn't be here if I didn't do that, you know? I would still be in an office.
0: That mentality, how does that play a role in your life now?
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've changed a lot. Um, yeah, probably I have. But, I mean, I did change my lifestyle. You know, I became more healthy. I became happier. I became, I appreciate more things. I was not so stressed and bored with life. Um but I guess I, you always also go a little bit back to, to safety, you know, like having a, a job and doing some things and a little bit of routine, but it's a very different routine. You know, like my, my office now is in the ocean, so I, I still teach courses and take people and I have to do this and that, or I have to travel to train to this place, or I have to go with the national team to compete somewhere. But I, mean, I, I, I don't complain. I love it, you know, even if it still has some responsibilities.
0: <laughs> my office is the ocean. That's just perfect. So what's uh, an average training day like for you?
1: Uh, okay, so most of the time I, I am not training, I'm teaching, but I consider that teaching and going with students so often and, and regularly is a, a very good adaptation and training. But when I take, let's say, for example, if there is an important competition, and I take one or two months off where I don't uh, really teach. I just go diving. And it will be a little bit, is hard to believe, but I only do like one dive in every train session so it's not a very long thing um, because when you start to go very deep uh, it is super tiring you know you, you you have something that is the nitrogen that accumulates in your body and you're also holding your breath for a few minutes you don't you want to do it once and then mentally your willpower is not going to be strong enough to let do another dive. Uh, so when, once you pass uh, i would say like 60 meters or something like that normally you go in the water i mean i wake up uh, normally early um, and I go in the water with my friends or with whoever I'm training with. Um, and I do maybe, I used to do one warm up, which was not a deep dive. It was a dive like to maybe 15 meters, 10, 15 meters, and I, I hang. So, hanging means I stay there for until I feel comfortable. I don't make it hard, but I, it can be maybe two, between two and three minutes hang. Um, and after that, your body's a little bit uh, ready. And adapted. And I do it also for the mental part, like uh, um, to to remind me that I actually like holding my breath and it's not going to be that hard, you know, (laughs) because it's hard, you know, when you go and if you jump in the water and they tell you you have to go down 80, 90 meters, um, just like that straight away is really hard. So it's a good warm up for the mind as well. And then after that, I do my dive. Um, I take a few minutes in the surface to, of course, breathe and recover and relax and do the mental preparation. And then I just go for it. It starts, I start my training around 60 and then every day or every other day, I go a little bit deeper, 65, maybe two days after 70 and so on until I'm getting closer to my maximum depth. And I try to be on that, my maximum depth close to the competition so I can increase maybe one or two meters from my. From my maximum depth that is always the go, go a little bit deeper you know so it's very easy normally in the morning after that after one dive if i have friends i rest enough and i just do safety for them so i help them train as well uh, but then after that i have the rest of the day it's a really really easy thing uh, in terms of uh, maybe like it's not like a super hard training all day working out you know it itself is three minutes that are really really hard it's three minutes of holding your Breath going really deep you are destroyed after that
0: how do you balance going deeper with safety
1: I mean free diving is a very safe sport actually uh, opposite to what most people think uh, the, the real danger in free diving is going alone uh, because if you if anything happens if you blackout for example and you're alone is really basically you're gonna die you know because you're not gonna wake up if you are under the water but if there is people around and the, if they know what you're doing it's very very few people who have had real, real problems with free diving and very, very few deaths, very, very extreme cases. Mm, and also what you were asking, like in a competition, it is the safest place where you can actually go and push the limits. It's better that, than if I go with a friend training with just my friend, me in the open water, than if I'm in a competition with a whole safety team of five, six people, all taking care of me with a camera that is filming me all the way down with a big counterweight system waiting in case anything happens, and with a with a doctor right there in the platform waiting on in case something happens. So it actually it can be very very safe. It is more up to you if you want to like really maybe push a little bit more than what you should push. That it happens as well. You know, some people go and push a little bit too much, and then maybe they they have a little lung injury or something like that, problems with the ear, with the throat. And, But, yeah, I don't consider freediving as dangerous as most people think. Like, for example, scuba diving is 100,000 times more dangerous than freediving, in my opinion. And if you look at the records of accidents and problems, uh, that uh, will be a lot higher in people in in a course of scuba diving than in freediving.
0: Well, when it comes to records, 24 national records that you've landed, when you think back on all your competitions and the records, which are the ones that stand out to you that make you the most proud?
1: Um, the most proud. I, I don't know if the, the happiest one was the first one, okay. you know, like when I didn't think I was going to, to, to reach a, a national record, um, I, I never thought I was going to compete. Like I told you, I was not very good at the beginning, uh, but I liked it so much and I trained for so many years and every time improving a little bit more and more that at one point I found myself five meters short to, to make equal the, the national record for Colombia. And I thought, why not? You know, like, and it's just five meters more. I'm right there, so I kept trying, trying, and then I, I decided to go to this comp- to this uh, competition in the Philippines, and um, and I had done close to the, to the maximum, and I announced two meters deeper than the record at the moment, um, and I went down, and I just thought, I'm gonna do a. As as much as I can, you know, the best I can. And if I can't do it, I'll just turn and it's okay. So I went down and when I was, uh, the problem is the ears, the main problem. You know, people think it might be the breath hold. The breath hold is not such a big problem. I mean, it is hard, but but it's not the hardest thing. The ears are harder. And at one point I I said, okay, I can't equalize my ears anymore. So I'm going to turn. And I turned and when I was turning, I was not looking. When I was turning, I was going to start to go up. I looked down was just like one meter, the end of the line. And I just needed to stretch my arm and grab the, the tag uh, to show that I made the depth. So I just said, oh, no, wait, I can do it. Grab it and went all the way up. And that was a very, very happy competition and moment for me to have done that first record. Uh, that was, what, 2016,
0: I think. Incredible. Well, I'm also curious, too, because every time there's an event and there's a tournament, it's always at an incredibly beautiful location. And you get to see some of yeah. the most amazing bodies of water, amazing beaches. So, which are the locations that still stand out in your mind? You're like, man, I would, I want to go back there
1: for freediving. Um, the, well, there are many. Like you said, like every place where you go freediving is amazing. Um, that I want to go back. Uh, probably Kash in Turkey is a really, really nice place. Just also thinking about the the town and the city and like like the whole vibe of the place is a really cool place to be. Uh, for freediving, for training, there is a really great place uh, in Greece that is called Kalamata. And it's perfect because the conditions of the ocean is just like a super, super flat uh, bay, I will say. Maybe it's a bay, I don't know. But it's a very, very protected area, so you have no wind, no waves, and it's just like if you were looking at a mirror. Uh, and so for training, it's the most perfect place you can find. Uh, for sea life, then... Uh, some of my favorite places will be Indonesia and the Philippines, we see so many whales, sharks, dolphins, uh, that is amazing just to, to see the, the nature and the same here in Colombia, you know, we, we train, I'm very lucky to be here in this island because we also see a lot of, I don't know, eagle rays, sharks and we come sometimes to the buoy where we're training and it's, it's really amazing. I have a few other places in, like, in the bucket list where I haven't been that seem to be really, really cool, like the the Bahamas. The Vertical Blue is one of the most important competitions in freediving. I would really like to go there. Uh, Hawaii, of course, uh, and yeah, those those places are still
0: on the list. One see. Well, it was a brilliant breakdown of each region and what their benefits. But one thing I didn't hear from you, I didn't hear of which had the best food.
1: I mean, I will. I I really like. <laughs> The, the the turkish food was really good in kash in, in, in yeah that one i will stay with turkish food
0: i think both free divers have been on the show both said kash is their favorite and for me turkish is my favorite as well so i agree with you on that <laughs> in addition to your professional career like you said your office you're also teaching others what have you learned from teaching
1: yeah i think maybe when i started i was uh, one of my problems was that i was very scared of holding my breath of going deep of uh, whole the whole idea of freediving and you may think that you're the only one you know but uh, when you are in the water is something that people you cannot lie you know uh, you can fake all you want on the surface but once you see people under the water uh, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with the people your instructor or whoever is in front of you something i, I i've learned and i know is that everybody's scared you know is it's, it's a normal thing of humans, when when you're asking them to do something new, something they don't know, something they sounds like you might die, you know. Uh, so it's just normal, and it's uh, and it's totally okay to be to be scared. And that once you accept that, and you accept that you can be scared, and it's normal, and that you're not the only one, then you stop being scared, and it just can become a very peaceful and uh, meditation place where you can just go and and confront yourself, confront yourself with your fears, and just. Uh, relax a lot more and be at peace. And it's amazing.
0: That's very well said. What do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned from, from the last two chaotic years? And it doesn't even have to be related to diving.
1: I will say patience will be maybe the, the biggest lesson because, uh, you know, when the lockdown and I was telling you that I, I felt like I, there was nothing I could do because I could not, not even fly uh, to the ocean in my country to, to, to practice and do what I what I love. And the, the, the biggest lesson was just to practice patience you know and accept that whatever comes it, i don't know it sounds like cliche but it's like it's meant to be you know like uh, this is the place where i should be this is the things that have to happen maybe this thing made me appreciate more uh, now the fact that i can do this again and maybe i had lost a little bit of this appreciation and you know you take things for granted when i quit my office job uh, traveling and free diving was something that i really really cherish and they said this is amazing and then after working for many years it became normal and then you kind of lose that appreciate appreciation and you don't value it so much mm-hmm. and after being in lockdown for me was to like re-appreciate it again and even more so maybe that was the biggest lesson i would say
0: one of the most popular tourist destinations for americans lately is your home country of colombia so for someone visiting colombia for the first time what would be your recommendations?
1: I mean, just come with an open mind. It's a beautiful country. It is not like they, I mean, probably in the 80s, it was super dangerous, but it has changed a lot. And people are very happy to to welcome foreigners. Uh, And people are just genuinely super friendly. You know, here people are... Probably gonna let you invite you to their houses for lunch just because you're not from here, and it happens a lot, you know. And, and you can really enjoy and appreciate that. Um, I, I will say, say still anyway, still South America. You still have to be a little bit careful, you know. It's not like super super easy, but but you not you're probably gonna be really surprised and how how great it is. But still, be a little bit careful, you know. Don't don't leave your phone in the table unattended. Don't you know? Don't walk in the very dark, dangerous street at night. But other than that, you know, like, if you are just normally safe, uh, you're going to love the country. And, yeah, just listen to the locals regarding where to go because, uh, yeah, we we, we have good intentions. If we tell you this place is amazing or don't go to this place, uh, probably just having good intentions if we tell you to do something like that.
0: Well, we know to start the day with coffee. We know to start the day with that. But what's the food that we have to get?
1: I mean, I love arepas. This is like... one very big thing in my city in my culture uh, and we eat them for breakfast and i really like it's like cornbread i don't know if you ever eat them Mm -hmm. uh, with cheese and butter and they're really delicious Um, try the coffee i don't know really about coffee because i don't drink coffee even if i'm (laughs) colombian uh because i grew up as i told you in a coffee farm and when I was a child, my, my my mom used to force me to drink coffee. <laughs> I hate it since then. So I don't drink coffee. People think it's good, you know. But arepas, empanadas, uh, beans, you know, it's like the, the typical dishes. The soups in the capital are really good. Uh, the fish in the coast. Yeah, is it Also, yeah, every region has very, very different uh, dishes. So, yeah, you should try, try it
0: all. Well, I think you and I, are, we're the rare ones. I don't do coffee either, so we're like one of the only two that, that don't. <laughs> people think we're weird, no? <laughs> I never got into it. And I think it's funny that you grew up on a, on a cafe farm as well. And this has been so much fun. I yeah, really absolutely. enjoy hearing your philosophy on life and really love that you're out there and your office is the water. That's just fantastic to me. How can people stay up to date with your life and follow along your journey?
1: Yeah, no, mainly on Instagram. You know, uh, I post most of the things I do on Instagram and not just send me a message you know and then i'll I'll be happy to answer
0: (laughs) well i i really appreciate your time today this was a really great interview i admire what you're doing man i think it's so cool that you prioritize happiness i'm going to be a big fan big follower we're going to watch your career and looking forward to see what's next and i hope we get to share an empanada one day together somewhere
1: i hope so yes all right bro thank you so much for for the interview and for the invitation
0: thank you thank you we'll talk soon but thank you all right bye bye Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Wasn't he brilliant? Give him a follow on Instagram and also give a follow to Freedive Colombia on there. I encourage you to take a class with him. And if you do, let me know. I'll join you. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. A